0: Welcome to another episode of the RAG podcast. And for those of you who don't know, the RAG stands for Recruitment Agency Growth. Since early 2019, I've been interviewing the most successful and innovative recruitment owners to learn how they rose to the top of their game. In season seven, I'm gonna be having raw, authentic, and insightful conversations with agency owners, entrepreneurs, leaders, people across the industry. And I wanna be learning about their ambitions, what's happening behind the scenes in their agencies today, and their plans to navigate difficult market conditions. I'll be bringing you the latest and greatest recruitment stories every single week on Wednesdays at noon across multiple platforms. Stay tuned. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of The Rag Podcast on this week's show. I was delighted to be joined by Laura Clark, the CEO of OA Group. Originally Osborne Appointments, the business was actually started in 1995 by Laura's mother and in this episode we discuss Laura's journey of watching her mum as an entrepreneur being inspired by her mother deciding to join the world of recruitment at the age of 19 and then basically convincing her mum to give her a job and then the journey through having four children navigating that as well as being a you know a successful business person in her own right and then negotiating with her mother to take over the business earlier in 2023 and buy her mum out Everything about the journey up to that—how they negotiated it, how she felt, and then what's happened since. Now, this is a really unique episode. I've never, never recorded an episode with a with a female or anyone who's been working for their parents and then bought the business off their parents. It's a, really, it's, a it's a new theme for this show, um, but I'm sure there's lots that any founder can empathise with because it touches on. The relationships we build when we work with people for ten or fifteen years can feel like family, even if they are just a friend or a business partner or whatever. Um, Laura is an incredible leader. She's got an amazing brand online. She's doing some amazing things, and I think you can learn so much from her. So, without further ado, Laura, welcome to the Rag
1: Podcast. Thank you, thank you for having me, Sean.
0: Pleasure. Looking forward to this one. We've been uh, we spoke what was it, about a month ago about this and got it booked in, yeah. um, and I feel like since then. I didn't really know you. We were introduced by someone, um, and I don't know if you knew me. But since then, I've seen more of you. I've, I've, I kind of see you more vocal on LinkedIn, and I'm, I've built like quite a big picture of the type of person you are pre-show. So I'm excited to to find out more. I'm interesting
1: to know what that picture is. Well, I'd say
0: confident, direct. I'll go through it. But you've 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 put some really cool stuff on LinkedIn, which I really resonated with. Right, so I agreed with it. Um, before we get into any of this, the stories, etc., just give us the bird's eye view of OA group, and um, that's people, what you actually recruit, locations, that kind of stuff. So people can get a picture of the business, and then we're going to go back and tell the story.
1: Yeah, so OA group formed two separate sides of the business. So we have OA solutions that deal with high-volume clients that need a bespoke solution, normally on-site RPO, Temp and Perm, um, predominantly within warehouse and industrial temporary staff, um, alongside interim contract professional placements. And we have a couple of PERM RPOs as well, where we encompass all of their PERM recruitment. And then OA Recruitment is a brand that is more for SME businesses that need a uh, personal touch, but without the big solution drive. So tends to be clients that use between five and 30 temps throughout the year and recruit up to about 12 times on perm
0: right okay
1: so that's the kind of the overview of what we actually operate in. um we so i've been in the business since 2008 started off with six people we are now around 50 people within the company um and it always surprises me because actually we just have some awesome people in our business from junior consultants that have started with absolutely no experience that work their way up. And yesterday we celebrated two people that have been in the business five years and right the way through to recruiting like gurus, recruitment gurus that have been in the business 20 plus years. So, um, yeah, just a really diverse bunch of people that are serious about recruitment.
0: And based where, where are the offices again?
1: All around the UK. So we've got our head office is Wedding Garden in Hertfordshire, where I am today. Mm-hmm. And then we've got an office in Milton Keynes in Bedford. We have on-sites up in Haydock, Emsall, um, Wigan. So really kind of UK-based.
0: Okay, wicked. Mm-hmm. And you joined the business in 2008 as a entry-level trainee consultant, right?
1: I joined the business in 2008 off the back of... Working in a, a telesales role, selling, which was really naughty in 2008. I didn't really realize at the time what I was up to, but actually, I worked for a business that sold mortgages for 110% of what the, what the people owned in terms of their home, which probably didn't help with the crash, but that's what it was like, wasn't it? Back yeah, then, yeah, yeah. get a mortgage of that amount. Loved sales and um, sat down with, honestly, a yellow pages of, of businesses and started calling. And that's how I got into recruitment.
0: Into, what was it known as, Osborne? It so. was
1: Osborne appointments back yeah. then with the gold logo, which was yeah. But it was
0: your mum that started the business,
1: right? It was my mum that founded the business. So she founded the business in '95.
0: So how did you? What was that like, dynamic wise? So you knew she was a successful recruitment leader.
1: Yeah.
0: You were, you like sales, didn't you? Just need to say, mum, can I have an interview? Or did you? Did she make you go out and interview elsewhere for, like? How did that all come about?
1: I promised I'd go to university. Um never went, (laughs) I told her was a gap year. And my mum is a phenomenal woman. Like, honestly, she's so astute, she's unbelievable. And from the age that I could work, I had to pay rent, which I would do exactly the same with my own children, Mm -hmm. by the way. And uh, I I worked after school from the age of 16, whether it was in a, a restaurant, and then I got a telesales job. And basically I convinced her and said, let me have a go. And she was like, okay, we'll do it for a few months. And I just started and I absolutely loved it. But working working for your mum, there is a level of, you know, you think I do it without meaning to. You think when you someone works with a parent or works with family, you get treated a certain way. I almost got treated in a really positive but different way. So I yeah. had so much more to prove. Um and it's really funny because only recently she's not been involved in the business. And there's people that work here that have been here while she was here, that never knew she was my mom. That and have do- actually sat in the same room as us and never knew. And you
0: didn't have the same name, did you? So there wasn't. The you don't have story. the same name.
1: Yeah. I remember once I missed my target by seven pound. And I would have got like a thousand pound bonus for this, for this particular month. And I didn't get the bonus, and I remember I remember being in the car with her on her drive, <laughs> dropping her off somewhere. Because the funny thing about my mum, she she only recently learned to drive in the last five years or so, which is oh, really? also really strange. When you she just got taxis everywhere. Um, and I remember saying, "I will give you seven pound if you give me the bonus," and she was like, "Absolutely not." Did you hit your Did you hit your target? No, you are not getting your bonus then. So, so what was
0: it like growing up with a mother that was a? Recruitment business, or just an entrepreneur in general. What was that? How would you describe that experience?
1: It was. I've never really thought about it before. If I'm honest, it was really nice to see someone's. I think watching her work so hard, which she did. She founded the business when I was six. Yeah. Um, And growing up with a working single mum when when she first started the business was just really interesting. Like I learned so much i think it made me really independent mm-hmm. because she wasn't like some of my parents but some of my friends parents that were there all the time to do everything for you but equally she was always very present and always really active i used to love going into the office we had she, when she when i was younger she had compute like big fat computers you know with like a fax machine yeah, next yeah, to it yeah. and a massive printer and i would just thoroughly enjoy writing i think she even had a fax machine when i first started going into the um into the office not a fax machine a um those, pardon? Tite Tite writer. Writer. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. She just taught me lots about being independent and standing on your own two feet and working hard and work ethic and all of those things. So yeah.
0: And it is. They say like your kids will pick up on what what you do as much as what you say, right? And mm-hmm. you physically saw her working and you saw her office in the environment that she created. Yeah. And do you think and that all
1: the ups and downs as well? Yeah. You know, I saw the times that were hard for her and I saw the times that she had good times. And it's now funny because kind of going into where I'm at now, we have bad and good times like any Mm -hmm. business, right? And so you recognise some of those behaviours. Yeah, I mean, just a very, just a very, she's a a really massive inspiration, not just to me, but to actually most people in the business that have ever worked with her.
0: Yeah. And do you think... You knew at a young age you were going to try and emulate her in, in, in the fact that maybe not in recruitment, but you'd want to be a successful business person. Is that something you kind of knew already as a young person?
1: Um, I always knew I really liked business. So when I was at school, I was a bit of a pain in the butt, hmm. but business studies, I would read the business book for fun. Hmm. Like I would enjoy all of the business theories and I would enjoy it. And i really sad, but used to get home from school and I used to get the Argos catalog and type in the product numbers, the price, and the page into an Excel spreadsheet for fun. Like, how sad is that?
0: Why, though? What were you going to do with it?
1: I don't know. I just <laughs> found it. I found it. Like, I I almost felt like if one day this book had burnt, maybe they'll come to me for the codes. I'm not sure. I yeah, I am going
0: to database developer, yeah. not a recruiter.
1: Yeah, and I do th- crazy stuff. You know, like, I, I lived in this little village, and I remember my friend from school and I went into the shop, and convince them to let us sell stock they couldn't sell on ebay if we took a cut so like we just used to i used to do things that i could try and make some money from
0: Hmm. do you know what i don't think i had that early on i didn't have any inspiration no because i didn't have anyone around me it was actually my stepmom when my dad got with my stepmom when i was about 14 15 and she ran her own business and she was running a cleaning company and she drove this little convertible mg um I don't think it was an nice, great actually great the greatest car but it looked pretty cool when you were young and then um I saw the way like her house was full of leaflets and I used to go leafleting at the weekend putting them through okay. doors for her and then okay. I used to She my first job was licking stamps and writing addresses for her on a friday when I was uh, on my on my study leave in year 11 mm-hmm. and um I think she was the first inspiration per, first person I saw because I kind of just thought I don't know. I kind of thought rich people were born rich. I didn't. I didn't know anyone else at all that did anything that was worthwhile, like wealth created wealth. Um, yeah. And so, I think if I'd have maybe seen something earlier, I would have had an earlier impression of what what I could have done. Yeah. Um, but even then, I still think I didn't. I did, like you said, I did. I did a few. things, Like I ran an event when I was at college that made about five hundred quid by just getting people to a party and finding a DJ in a venue. It was dead easy, and I thought. didn't do it again don't know why but i figured out little things you kind of had that in you yeah had a little bit in me but not maybe quite like yourself and i wish i'd done business at school i didn't even i just thought why would i do that whereas now i'm like i'd have loved it i genuinely i know i would have loved it um so let's go back to the start of the job then you did how did you you interview like everybody else because she made you pick up the phone to other companies so did you come in and sit down with other people and make sure it's the right fit
1: no I don't think I did I think it was me persuading her right I think she was quite against it at the beginning
0: yeah
1: and I think I remember having conversations like go on I think I think I'd be all right at this let me have a go let me have a go and she was like no go and get another job like leave me alone (laughs) and I think that I kind of then used the I'm gonna go on a gap year and I'd like a little try see what I'm see you know see if I can if I can do it but the business when I first joined, there were very few people and it was in 2008. So we were in the middle of, you know, a huge recession. And so I w- I entered recruitment up against a lot of challenges. But being so young, I didn't realize there were challenges. Mm. I, I just thought that's the way that recruitment was, you know, I had to make 100 phone calls to have one person that was recruiting or every single candidate I spoke to. I remember like the number of people that were getting made redundant was insane. Um, and, but it didn't phase me because I knew no different. I think actually starting in that time probably was really, really important part of my career. Cause I think if you start when the market's really buoyant, when you come up against a hard time, it feels really, really hard. Whereas I started in such a challenging environment.
0: What you, what you, were you like coming out of school? Eight, eight 17,
1: 18? Yeah, I was like 19. 19. Um, and <coughs> I did temp, I did perm, I did any job. I remember the first placement that I made, I I, I can tell you the guy's name. I still talk to him on LinkedIn every now and then. Um, he was a policeman and I placed him into a sales job for a digital printing company. And I remember just trying to convince this woman to see her for an interview because I'd met this guy and I thought he was pretty cool and could yeah. sell. And it was the first placement I ever made. And I thought that was really cool. Like I've just found someone who was a policeman, a job doing something completely different because he didn't love it anymore. And... I think, I think sometimes the level of naivety when you have when you're that age doesn't allow you to have preconceived ideas. Whereas when yeah. you get older, you might think, well, God, you know that person can't do that job because they've been doing that ten years or they're stuck in their ways. But when you're younger, you just, yeah you don't have that level of life experience. It's like a sport.
0: They see that young Wayne Rooney in football come on the pitch at 16 and just shoot from anywhere and score. have no fear. Yeah, they do things that later on in their career they wouldn't do because they already planned, they've already saw problems within the future. And and even when I I started Hoxo, you know, I wasn't young, I was 30, but I'd never worked a day in marketing in my life. So -hmm. I launched a marketing agency with no experience whatsoever. I knew the recruitment industry, who were my clients, but I didn't know, I'd never done a day in the, in the industry. So looking back, what I did was awful for a few years, like terrible the first couple of years if, if I think about it. But I wouldn't have, if I would knew then what I know now, I probably would never have done it. Like I would have been like...
1: But who does something from day one and is brilliant, had it?
0: No. Yeah. And they say, if you're not embarrassed by the first version of what you did, you started it too late. So mm-hmm. you need to go out and do it. So what were you actually recruiting in the early days? What was the type of jobs? Was it...
1: Mainly commercial and i'll be really honest with you actually mm-hmm. anything
0: right so it was like anything. a generalist agency a local generalist base agency, it local yeah. base
1: though? i remember going to a client and i picked up like 20 temp jobs in a sandwich making factory and just to get in through the door i had to have my hair in a hair nut take all my makeup off take my nail varnish off and wear a one suit and get washed down and i was like oh. i'm doing this <laughs> and come back with like 20 temp bookings for the next day and i was like right let's do it um it was anything it was a really small recruitment business very successful but just yeah. kind of tiny to where we are now and anything anything that someone would at ask that point
0: about. you said there was like six seven people so your mum mm-hmm. was in the room doing the job as well or was she what was so the, we actually when Anna? i first joined we
1: actually had two branches we had stevenage and Welling that were really close and one of the first experiences i had was because the market being so bad we shut one of the branches mm-hmm. and then we all come back to Welling garden and yeah my mum my mum was really heavily involved but I never I never really directly reported to my mum yeah. until later on in my career when I think we were probably both adult enough to handle well I was adult not my mum adult enough to handle that
0: <laughs> my mum was a driving instructor and she taught me to drive I mean, I mean that's that's the only, been
1: challenging.
0: but that's the only way I can empathize or relate to what you've you've been through she kicked me out of the car like four miles away from where we <laughs> lived. just no I didn't even have a phone I didn't have anything she's like just get home get out yeah Yeah, it's like get out because I was that rude did you
1: pass pass first time second
0: time second time yeah um but the the reality of my um my mum being my instructor was not like most people like she you know it took me a year to pass because every i would have a friday morning session that she'd move me out of the way for a paying customer right yeah. so and i would go out on a thursday drinking at that age and so it would just this friday morning was like i was hoping she'd cancel it and then she would cancel it so i'd stay in bed and then i'd miss college and but we just dragged it out and and i you know i fa- i failed on something really basic really mine and then i just I sorted it out really quick after that but i remember being rude i remember not listening to her i remember thinking she was nitpicking at me yeah. And yeah, it wasn't a pleasant experience, but it was a lot worse for her. Like, she looks back and says it was, you know, it's pretty bad.
1: <laughs> I bet you laugh about it now, though, right? Yeah,
0: she was brilliant. And she was, she taught all my mates and she was known for being amazing. Like, she's the best female, the only female level five in Greater Manchester at the time or something. Oh, really? She, yeah, she was like known for being amazing. And, and like I say, the funny thing, she had <laughs> all my mates that was independent of me. And she knew things about him I didn't know, or she'd laugh at certain things. I'd be like,
1: how do you know well, that? It's quite an intense experience, isn't it, learning to drive? Yeah. Did you just one-on-one.
0: In a car, really yeah. By
1: concentration, yeah.
0: Yeah, and there'd be a few of my mates who'd be telling me how good they're doing, and she'd be like, no. Nah. They're not. <laughs> they're they're all. Yeah, I, <laughs> I couldn't admit it, but uh, that was always fun. So how did your career How would you describe, you obviously had a knack for it. I get the impression you were quite naturally motivated and, and, and quite talented with your communication skills. Mm-hmm. How did your career progress over the you know the first few years
1: so it's funny actually I've had a conversation this morning with someone in the business I think I'm of a really strong belief I don't know where this comes from right but I, I don't think someone sits you down never says to you where do you want to get in your career and how can I get you there right you have managers that are interested in what you want to do they have appraisals etc etc but I think the truth is is when you ever want to do anything in your career you have to go and do it so for me I remember I worked long hours I would work at home I really loved it it wasn't cuz I want it wasn't because I had to or it's because I actually really enjoyed it mm. and then when I was 21 so quite young I fell pregnant with my first child went back to work when I was 22 My mom's going to kill me for saying this but I remember I was getting paid 19,000 pound a year which was exactly the same cost as my nursery fee a year to go wow. back to work um so I remember thinking well the only way I can earn money is by commission and I honor I genuinely don't know if I'd have been as motivated today if I hadn't have had William my eldest as young because I think I was very much of I didn't want anyone to think well okay my career was over because I'd had a child so young I think it gave me the push to want to do better and you know there could probably be a, key, a number of key moves throughout the last however many years yeah but i honestly i just would see opportunities so like i don't know <clears throat> if i thought that there was a certain desk that would look like it would make money i'd say right do you think we should try this desk or if i remember it's a really funny story but we've got a lady that works for me called roxanne she's not going to mind me mentioning this i think she's been here over 10 years now When she first came in to register, I was in the room, and she was so nosy. Like, we thought she was a spy, so we had these whiteboards with blinds that when we thought people would spy on us, we'd pull down the blinds so no one could see our client list and what we were doing. And I remember an email going around saying she's a spy, we were all like secretly pulling down the blinds, thinking she was from a competitor. And then she left, and we were all like, God, she was good. I was like, she is a nosy person. She would be brilliant in recruitment. We brought back in to interview, and she's been here ever since, and she's fantastic. So she's still like nosy. Just, still was, oh, my God, nosy yeah. as hell. Like, you can't get away from anything with Roxanne. Like, you Go walk in the room, and she'd be like, have you had your hair done? And I'm like, yeah. how do you know where I've been? Like, leave me alone. Um, and I think just seeing little just tiny little moves I don't think anyone has like a moment where they wake up the next day and they go oh my god now I've made it I think it's just small things that happen throughout your career that you go there's a spot over there that I can do something better for I'm going to go and do it and I I also think like I think my mum helped me with this I was always told you don't ask for a pay rise until you've done something that's better than what you're being paid to do so like I was paid 19 grand. If I wanted to be paid 25 grand, I'd have to start acting like a 25 grand person. Yeah. And I've yeah. always had that mentality. Whereas I think there's a lot of now like, well, I'm doing a good job. I'm employed to this. I deserve a pay rise. Whereas I think you always have to go the extra mile.
0: No, I completely agree with that. Too many people think by doing the job that you've given them to an You're average standard automatically yeah. they should go up. It's like, no, you, that's what we hired you to do. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's not that simple. What, if you don't mind me asking like how was the dynamic at home when you're 22 with a newborn and you're trying to work did you was your partner around did they help yeah. like, how did you manage that
1: yeah so john and i are still together we've got now four children Brilliant. um and he's honestly just always been fantastic i think he's always that he i've always said to him my career is like never comes above my children never comes above him but there are moments in time where it's my focus and mm-hmm. i know I wish sometimes I wasn't as much like that. I know that, yeah. I don't mean that to sound funny, but like I just, I come to work and I love everything that I do and he's always been brilliant at support. and supporting and I, I think the children get, I mean, with four it's hard, right? To give them all attention, four children, you know what it's like with with multiple children. But it's just about splitting your time and it was about, for me, showing them that you can achieve what you want to achieve if you work hard
0: did he work um, full-time or did, it, did he take more of that carer relationship
1: no, so he, he's got his own business he's wow. really successful in his own right yeah we're really lucky we've got so much family mm. near us like my mum despite having her business she's always been brilliant with with helping us and she is now like now she's not working as well she's like insane like just yesterday she was at my house doing my washing for me she's like oh, brilliant wow. Um, we've got so much family. John's got three sisters that are all amazing. I've got a brother that's great. So like my dad, we've got so much support. We're really, really lucky for that. Um,
0: and when you're younger having kids as well, your parents are younger, right? Everyone's younger. So the energy around you is probably greater. Yeah. Like we're 37. My wife's 37, just turned 37 on Saturday. And um, we're lucky that all of our parents are still here. But you don't. I don't know that many people at my age that you know, that can say them and their partner, all the parents are still here. Like this, it's kind of getting to that age where it's yeah. more difficult. We're lucky that, you know, we can, we do get a lot of support, mm-hmm. but it but Lauren's mum had a stroke five years ago. So she's completely um, disabled in a wheelchair. So her father, my father-in-law, stepdad, has, cares for her 24-7. So they can't do a lot with the kids. Yeah. They can help a bit and they live on our road, which would be amazing. But my parents have moved... So they're 45 minutes away from us now they've, they've i've never lived near my mum since i was 18 when i left home but she's down the road now and, and she yeah she's taking taking that opportunity to see the baby as much as possible she's amazing um
1: i think it's tricky when you've got babies as well like william and ronnie who are now 12 and 8 they're pretty easy like i can pop to the shops and drop them at my mom's and is them. it william or is it billy it's we, we call him william Really I imagine sure.
0: Billy and Ronnie would be quite a scary couple, and they're all right, they <laughs> I don't know. Won't I like, don't go the name. near them too."
1: No, <laughs> no, I really like the name Reggie, but you couldn't have a Ronnie and a Reggie, could you? <laughs>
0: I've got a dog called Reggie. But, uh...
1: <laughs> um, yeah, so I think as well, like I felt like I had something to prove. Mm. I think I, I felt like being, I, I mean, a young mum, but not that yeah. young. Like, some yeah. people have children much younger than that, but I think I just thought, okay, well. I'm not going to let it stop me. I'm going to make sure that I can still achieve what I want. And I don't do that. I think that's just, I don't know. It's just inside. You have that. Yeah. That desire.
0: How did your career evolve in terms of billing and management? Because again, Mm -hmm. I get the impression you would have been a really strong individual contributor. You'd go out there, you'd win business, you'd fill it, you'd make money. You know, you got that drive to do the, to make commission for your family. Did you, how did it, because it's always the debate, isn't it? Like, in your career Be manager, do you, yeah. do you, to become a manager. Do you not? I remember being almost forced into it. I, di- I didn't even want to do it, but I was billing so much that they were like, they were de-risking me a little bit. And I thought, well, it's a skill set I don't know. And I'd like to develop. So, you know, it was, it was a good move for both, but I remember it was a touchy subject at the time.
1: Yeah. I was, um, I, I, oh, <laughs> I don't know whether to tell this story. I really wanted to manage Right from when I was younger, because I just right. I love it when people do well, and actually at the detriment of my own billings, if I could share clients or jobs or as long as I I've always had the mindset that if five people are doing brilliantly, it's better than one person.
0: Yeah, at yeah, it's right. good. Word, okay.
1: But I was an absolutely awful manager when I first hmm. became a manager, to the point where. And bear in mind, I think I was around 24 or 25 when I started managing people. So really young, yeah. way too young. I, I don't know how that happened. I think I just, again, nagged my mum long enough that I said, like, give me a chance. But I was terrible and learned very quickly that to get the best out of people, they've got to be happy. Whereas I just thought, well, if you're not good at billing, don't be here, which is completely the wrong way to look at it. It's such
0: because... a classic way of looking at it. I yeah, was probably which... the same.
1: Yeah. Funny, my oh, right. first well hire, if you're not billion, don't talk to me and I'll focus on the ones that are. Oh, whereas now you know you can't you can't be that way. But there is some horror stories of things that I used to Yeah, I got
0: there. it. I had an interesting my first hire was like was it, to this day was my best was my best hire in that business. He was my he's still a good mate, you know, and he was he was really good. So I think I thought I was brilliant. I mm. thought was oh, this is fucking easy. <laughs> yeah. And then I went and then I went through loads of people that I wasn't oh, I can, and I had that classic, you know. You're not as good as me mentality, like you've got to be this good. And you know, you're not. and probably jumped in and filled. I used to like fill jobs through people. So it looked like they were doing deals. I'd be like, phone that guy, here's the job, and phone that guy and tell him you know me and do that. And then put your CV like this. And I'd basically just. Yeah, but that's looks,
1: training. That's good.
0: It is. But then you step back and they don't actually, they haven't actually thought about any of it. So they've, <clears throat> you've just kind of almost operated through their hands. Yeah. <laughs> they've just typed up your words. Like, so. I learned the hard way a little bit on that, that because I went away for a bit. And I remember thinking, yeah, they, they're nowhere near the level that I thought they were. Um, do you
1: think sometimes, though, in recruitment, and I see it now in, in our business and just across the industry, you can have an exceptional consultant that could bill and do brilliant work, be brilliant at sales, help candidates. But if they don't want it, it doesn't matter how much you want it for them. Yeah, yeah, 100%. And I think that's a common mistake. You meet a personality of a type of person where you think, oh, my God, you would ace recruitment. But they don't want to put in the work. And recruitment is hard. Yeah. It's not easy. You know, you have – I mean, I've been on the phone this morning. You think you've made placements and candidates pull out on the day they're meant to start or the clients reject. And you just want to kick your head against, you know, a brick wall at some days. But you have to really want to do recruitment to be good at it. No,
0: I agree. I 100% agree and I think it, but it's not necessarily something you know you really want to do at the beginning. No. So it's it's trying to keep someone on the straight and narrow long enough that they that they figure that out but mm. also not too long that you both waste your time. Yeah. Um, so when when did you start to realize that that maybe you were going to take over the business or that you maybe like, entrepreneurial vibe whether it was you going to do your own thing or whatever when did that start to click in and, and start to take some form of shape?
1: I I don't think there was a day. I always had ideas. So um, when I joined the business, we had a director that I kind of reported into for a period of time. We always used to have ideas together around things that could make the business more money, ways in which we could be better for our clients. I remember doing some crazy stuff. We had this project at one point called Nighthawks where we decided that we would – bring in a bunch of people to call our candidates late at night when they weren't working to see if we can get better candidates than our competitors. So I think it was something that just evolved. And I realized that if you stop and think about what you're doing and try and find ways to do it better, and then get that across your business, you all collectively take a step forward. Yeah. Um, I've always been interested in targets, financials. I've always been interested in I know you're making one pound, how can you make one pound 15? What can you do better to make that one pound 50? I, I don't, I don't think there was a specific time, it kind of just evolved. And even now, to this day, you know, I still get involved in sales, I still go to client pitches, I still pick up the phone. And because I think, Especially, I mean, I, I don't know anyone that I've spoken to over the last 12 months that said they've had a brilliant year in recruitment, right? Yeah. We've all found the last year hard. And I think it's good to sharpen those tools and be involved in your business, but also be involved in understanding what's going on at you know, throughout your company too. So, yeah, I don't think there was a particular time. I've always been someone who's wanted to be innovative and try new things and make the business better in some shape or form.
0: So how did, the, well, I suppose... When and how did the conversation start, though, that eventuated into in the reality of you taking over?
1: So I remember a conversation when I was actually away with my mum on holiday, and we were talking through the business. And I remember saying to her, "I think we could do X, X, and X in the next few years." And she was like, "All right, go on then." And I was like, "Okay, well, if I do, if that happens, can I have this—a pay rise or shares or whatever?" And she was like, "Yep, yeah, absolutely." And I was like, right, game on. It was, there was never actually, weirdly, up until the day, until we actually got to the point where I bought her out, there was never really a formal conversation. We knew what the business wanted to achieve. And I knew that the business could do so much. Like, we just, we had such a good group of clients. We had such good people. We had a really good reputation. Been going since 95. Yeah, I was the one that was always like, well, not not just me alone, people within the business, like, okay, what's the next step? What's the next step? And then this happens, and this will happen. And there were a lot of loose conversations over many, many years. Um, And it wasn't up until right towards the end when she decided she wanted to take a step back from the business that we kind of got into more formal conversations. When was that?
0: When did she say that that was the case?
1: So that kind of happened slowly in terms of her involvement in the business. So probably, I would say the last, maybe three years or so, she got involved at board meetings she got involved in the budgeting she got involved in she was really heavily involved with the finances which has been something that I have really had to learn since mm. she's not been in not been in the business um, but there were like more formal conversations towards the end of last year where it was like okay you're now you now really you know doing your own thing can I can I have it? Can I buy it yeah. off you and and go go forward in in what I would like to do? And that were way... you running
0: the were you running the business at that point?
1: Yeah, yeah. So okay. I was in the role of running the business, but she was still such a great support. Like even now, I say to her, "Can you come in and help me with you know the cash things that you don't think that you need to do when you are running a business, like the cash flow?". I know that sounds really silly because obviously it's very important, but there are so many challenges when you have a, a business that you don't foresee, whether it's. I don't know, like corporation tax has gone up or NIs yeah. going down and then national living wages changing and all of the finances, the P&Ls, the budgeting, the cost line. And then you think, okay, I've made X amount of profit this month, but you haven't because the money's not been paid. Yeah. And then a client goes bust. And then just, just all of those things, she was really good at kind of – she, she, I say shielded me from I was the sales person I was like I'll give you give me the number we need to hit and I'll make sure we hit it and then she was in the background going okay well I'll make sure the money's actually coming into the yeah. bank so yeah. we made a really good tag team um, yeah so when she left I kind of have had a bit of a, a shock to the system in terms of how much time it actually took to do the job she was doing in the business but she made it look so easy I was like oh it's easy don't give me a hand off you go I'll, I'll got that really it's much, it's much harder than I thought it was yeah
0: I'm interrupting today's episode to give you a message from our brand new sponsor. Now, this company are called Untapped, and everyone knows that Hoxo. Through this podcast, I've, I've explained that we we built our team internationally, heavily in South Africa. Okay, and I get questions all the time from clients and people who listen to the show, like, "How have you done it? What was the process, etc." Well. I've partnered with a business that can ultimately reveal it all, share it all, and, and help you do the same, right? Because look, it's been a tricky year for the sector, and many of people through uncertain times have had to streamline operations. However, you know, accessing low-cost resources internationally has proven to be a bit of a cheat code for some people, including Hoxo. But anyone who's tried it, like us, it's very difficult. A lot of work process to get it right. So this company Untapped are one of the hottest companies in the market. They've helped Hoxo, they're helping our clients. Um, And they specifically look at companies in the UK, US, Middle East, and Australia transition to using remote individuals and building full offshore sourcing and recruitment solutions. So they source talent pools from places like South Africa and the Philippines. Um, And we're talking about experienced talent here. We're not talking about graduates with no experience. This is like people with three to five years recruitment experience and integrate them into your UK team. Okay. So they work remotely, but plug into your UK team. Um, They put around 3,000 candidates per month through an intense four stage interview and online testing process to find the top 1% or 30 people and secure these people for work with recruitment agencies like yourself. You know, all candidates are benchmarked against UK competency frameworks and the the way in which you would hire in the UK so we're not again we're not talking about cheap for the sake of being cheap we're talking about international experienced people just living in lower cost locations so it's a really simple process if you want to work with these guys you pay a deposit to kick off their search they then provide a candidate shortlist in 14 days And then you can put people through your own process to hire them permanently, or there's a freelance option. So if you just want to try before you buy, they can employ them, you pay a daily rate and it's a freelance option. Untapped are totally transparent with all the salaries and fees. Um, But, you know, we're talking about, you'll still pay about 70% less than a UK equivalent in that role. So it's a no brainer to complement your existing team to handle surplus demand and ease cost pressures. you know, If you're not using this to rip up your business and rebuild it with global resources, then you're probably gonna fall behind eventually. So due to demand and capacity, they're only operating on a waiting list right now. So if you wanna be part of their waiting list, go to www.tryuntapped.com. Okay, www.tryuntapped.com and check out their information. Make sure you say that you listen to the RAG podcast. Um, because they'll do you a very special deal as well. Right, go and check them out. Back to the show. How hard was it to negotiate a deal with your mum? Because it's your mum, right? It's a bit, you know, but she does sound like she's always separated it a little bit when she we, was even, yeah, even talking. that seven pound story. You know, she's she wasn't, yeah. she wasn't just giving you stuff. So I imagine it's been, she's thought about it quite, that, like, you know, it took the emotion out of it.
1: She did, but it's still emotional. I think even if it isn't your mum, it's still emotional. You, I gave, uh, I've gave, i given my whole career to this business. It's like a baby, yeah. right? You're very emotional about it. And she's done way more than I have. So it was not just a business to her. It's like in her blood. So mm. we kind of take a step back in terms of the actual sale. We had a few years ago, we introduced a non-exec director into our company And that was probably one of the best things that we ever did for our relationship because it sometimes you're not sure if your opinion is actually you you don't know whether you're arguing your opinion because it's a good opinion or just because you want to win an argument and so we introduced a a non-exec director who sat in the rooms for most meetings and just helped navigate conversations about where the business was going so when it came to the MBO this year, he was really heavily involved. And we had other people come in and out. So we used like a, a finance company, he's a lawyer, and we had lots of different opinions that didn't sit on either side of the table. Yeah. And there were some things that I loved about the deal and there were some things that I thought, oh, God, I'm not sure about that. But it was fair. And I think that's what business, whether it's with your mum or with it's a business partner, that – when you've worked for someone with someone for like 15 years, they do become like your family anyway. Yeah, 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 yeah. So sometimes you just need to have a level head and someone who can give you an opinion that whether you like it or not is the fair answer.
0: So what you got to was what you believe. You both agreed was fair.
1: I think it's more than fair. And she, this business would not be here without her.
0: Yeah. And like, when, when did it go through? When did you officially take ownership?
1: Um, it actually went through one night when I was asleep in bed. How strange is that? So we were signing all of the forms. It was earlier this year. We were signing all of the forms up until like 10 o'clock. And we were really worried there was a budget announcement coming. And we were concerned that they would change some tax laws that would have changed her part of the deal. So we were like, we've got to get it past this. We've got to get it yeah. through before this day. And I I go to bed at 8 o'clock. I'm like a really early bed person. And I was like, oh, my God, I've got to stay up and sign these forms and get this across. And at one point I messaged the the lawyer that got it across the line. I said, Chris, are we all done? And he he messaged back and I'd fallen asleep. And I'd woken up to a message saying, congratulations. And I was like, I thought I'd be like on a boat somewhere having champagne celebrating. I just got up the next day, got ready and went back to work. It was like the most surreal thing.
0: How did your mum respond?
1: She, I think she felt really emotional about it. I think she loved it because she's like, we joke that she has spent more time on the on a plane this year than she has actually on the ground. Aww. But she's just absolutely loving it. But I think she's still... I know she wants to go and do something more now. Like, she's having some time out and she'll get involved in businesses in one way, shape or form, whether it's in recruitment or doing something. She's had some crazy ideas. Um, but I think she felt really happy and proud of what she'd achieved. But equally, like, a bit of her had gone, maybe. I'm speaking yeah, on God. her behalf, but...
0: No, I mean, I've, I, the amount of founders who've sold on this show that have told me how they felt, majority said it was a bit underwhelming and yeah. that they they didn't expect to feel how they did. And yeah. and yeah, there's a little bit of PCU that, what did one guy say? Like, he couldn't believe how quickly everything stopped. So one minute... You know, his his emails are just pinging all the time. He's getting calls off people. It's just nonstop. And then the next day, because the deal was that they would walk away. It wasn't that they'd stay in for a year. It was like literally the next day their comms get cut, their phones don't work, and and that's it. And he said it was like dead silence. Yeah. And some people crave that, and others, especially the type that build businesses, don't. And so what i always what we've you know what i found from most of the people i've built in this network is that they go again in some way they do something else you know mm. whether it be an NED gig or whether they launch a new business it's so that second horizon yeah. yeah yeah um which i think is really important and, and and you know interesting for people to know especially those that are coming up in the journey now that want. To, i mean most people listening to this are saying one day they'd like an exit it's like realize that actually whatever Whatever age that is, you're probably still going to have energy in the tank to do something else. And
1: sometimes you're just chasing something that is just a goal. So whether it's a number or a time, you get to it, and you're like, I don't know what that was about, you know? Yeah. But you know, she makes me laugh because, and we were joking with her last week. She comes, to, she came to our Christmas meal. She's coming to our conference next year. And if anything, she can behave even more naughty than she used to because yeah. she's, she's funny, a really really funny character. But now she hasn't got to worry about. Work the next week or whatever. So it's really nice to watch her be inv- She's still involved in the business. She,
0: she probably still, still does worry about you. She like, probably does. You, do you know what I mean? like and she She still really
1: do. cares about yeah. it. And I think yeah. if there was any way that she could have hoped that the business had gone it would not be a sale, it would have been staying in the family. Yeah. Um, so I think she, it, it will always be really close to her heart as long as kind of I'm involved as well. I think it's in the, the family. The good news for you right. as
0: well is the IP is still in the family. So if you need yeah. some it's not like you're ringing up some person you bought a business off in a trade sale or no, it's a bit like when you buy a house like i bought my house and i bumped into the the seller and i was outside showing my parents and he came out of his house I was like who are you And i was like i just bought your house mate and then we changed <laughs> numbers and he he was fine but i remember when i moved in <laughs> there was loads of little snags and stuff i kept texting him and i did yeah, I know no. he, he was like after a bit it's like just speak to the yeah, It's it's justine,
1: Sean. get on with it
0: yeah leave it alone uh, so
1: it's actually do you know what it's nicer now with mum and i when it comes to work because i can call her for advice and we have better conversations mm. like we always got on really well when we work together anyway but because she's got a different perspective because she's not worried about you know for us for our business i don't know about other recruitment agencies but january february march normally our quietest time so mm. you always go january february oh, God, you know, is it normal? What's the market going to be like? And then it picks up. So I always remember that it used to be quite a time where we were like, oh, my God, is everything going to be all right? You just naturally yeah. are you you own a business. Whereas now she gives me really good outside opinion. I lean on her. I, I almost think I probably don't have something to prove by not having to lean on her too. So I can pick up the phone to her at any point. She's so good, yeah.
0: And did you keep the NED in the business after the exit? Yeah. Without yeah. So is it just you and that, that, that guy now?
1: Yeah, so we have... Um, yeah, myself, the NED, I've got two directors within the company and a finance manager right. right. director level. Um,
0: yeah. And how would you describe like you know, post-acquisition vision? Like what are you trying to create? Like, what's your plan?
1: I spent probably the first two or three months thinking, what the hell? What am I doing? That was <laughs> I'm in like loads of debt and I've got a business and I've never done this alone by myself. So I think I spent Probably two or three months. Weirdly, with a real not lack of confidence, but I thought, "What have I done?" Like, yeah. I had a really good thing going. We had a really profitable business. I had no big bills to pay over the next few years, and all of a sudden, I was like, "I'm in a lot of debt." I don't know if I'm allowed to swear, yeah. Sean, but I swear, quite a I lot. I'm going to as I myself. Shit, I was yeah. in a lot of debt. And then I thought, "Do you know what? Actually, let's just have some fun with it." Yeah. Um, and I, for me, I don't care about get into 200 heads in the business just to Mm. say that. I I really want to make sure that we create a business that means something to the people that work in it, you know, that we are serious about growth. And we I want to look in five years' time and go, oh, my God, that person is now this job. And that was because of OA, not me, the people within OA, the training within OA, what we offer to our consultants and and staff. And I'm really – I've got really – you'll like this. I've got really – passionate about our brand and mm. it's a, a tricky one because we don't want to lose all of the history that OA has but it's almost like going okay how do we put a pin in that carry that along but then be what we are growing into and so I've done loads more work with marketing than I've ever ever yeah. done in the past um, but in terms of what it looks like we just I don't want to get greedy I, I like I like being a good business and being fair to everyone in the company. So we won't grow. I know lots of people that grow for vanity and nothing yeah. other than that. And that's not what we're about. Um, and just just having a really sustainable place to work, that people come along and go, oh, hey, you doing something really cool.
0: Yeah. We, 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 we decided last year that there was three things that had to be evident in our business. Otherwise, we wouldn't do it anymore. And it was we had to have a happy team. Mm-hmm. We had to have happy customers like they had to be had to be delivering at a level that was and we had to be making profit like because one without any of those missing i i just don 't think it's a viable business like no. you not you can be doing it without making any money and what what is the point like yeah. literally what is the point because you 're not going anywhere with that, but equally you can be delivering we were delivering some services that we didn 't enjoy
1: mm.
0: and some that feedback wasn 't great and we had we probably had well, we definitely had too many services we were delivering so we we trimmed it right down to a like a we looked at it like the Gordon Ramsay goes into a restaurant and what does he do? He always strips the menu to menu back. Yeah, he does, says you are better though. off doing four dishes amazing than 10 average. So we've done that and we're seeing the fruits of that, um, come through. Um, that's meant we've had to trim the team down because we, we, we haven't got the need for the people that were delivering the services that we don't want to do. The, yeah. Um, but feels like, it just feels like such a amazing business going to next year that we've built and the people around us. And, um, I don't know, this time of year is a funny time. Like you said, like January, February, March is often slow for most people. Mm -hmm. And you will have that fear that maybe it won't bounce next year. But you've got to look back at historical data and think we've always got through, right? Even in the worst years, we've always got through it. So keep the people and you will.
1: Yeah. And I'm I'm a nightmare for change. I love change. And I I, I think as the business has got bigger, I've had to realize that, You can't walk in a room and change things as quickly as what you used to be able to without giving people like a complete freak out, especially when you're not talking to them and you just decide one day you're going to do something different. So but what that has meant is that in our business, when we do need to change, like this year, when we realized the market was slow and we needed to make some changes and better to explore different avenues in terms of how we can make money and all of those things. It meant that everyone that works in this company are really open minded you know like there'll be nothing that we go have you thought about this where they'll go oh no without thinking it yeah. through every opportunity that we try and speak about so i i'm more about the destination rather than journey i feel like i know where we want the business to be in five years but how we get there i'm not massively precious about like mm. i didn't anticipate on taking some of the people that have joined this business on um they've been like opportunity people that have either reached out or i've been put in contact with and they've been pivotal in the growth of the business so i don't know what else that that is going to show or in the next five years but i know that we'll always do things that make sense but equally are good for the business and that might take us in not a crazy different direction like we're not going to start recruiting scientists or anything like that but Mm. just being really open-minded to what might um might how do you get and
0: how do you think you get that balance right because I'd say I'm exactly like you in that changes excites me doesn't scare me especially in business mm. I think I'm a slightly different beast in different parts of my life but I think I've travelled I've just got on planes I've just kind of got on with it and I always I enjoy it whereas like you're right you can freak employees out with yeah, like you can and we've had that feedback that there's too much change too so much sure and, and I'm usually the guilty party like my business partner is almost like slow down and I'm I'm like, well, why not? Um, yeah. So how do you get, how, how have you managed to get that balance right? Do you think?
1: I have like a group of people, a small group of people that I talk my crazy ideas through and I give them permission to tell me if they think it's nuts. It's mm. like the amount of times I've had people say to me, yeah, really good idea. And I know after the idea has been executed and gone wrong, that I should have been told at the beginning that it was a bad idea, but yeah. people haven't for whatever reason. And I don't, I, I think it's not because I'm not approachable, but... People just like to say things are good and not think things through. So now we have a group, I have a group of really good people that I say, right, I've got this idea and five of them are told no and two of them are told actually there's legs in it. And then before that, I almost have like people that I work for (laughs) that tell me whether they're a good idea or not. Yeah. Um, But equally, there's a group of people, everyone in the business will have just as many crazy ideas and I do the same back. So I think you've just got to create an environment where you're safe to say your things before it gets throughout the whole business. And you think it through, like I've made some pretty big mess ups in my time yeah. um, mm-hmm. where I just thought I was right and went for it. And then afterwards gone, oh God, like I'm now going to have to undo that. And that causes a lot of damage. Yeah, yeah, and it, yeah. when you make those mistakes, you quite quickly realize I need to hold up on what I'm doing um now like a few years ago we did unlimited holiday pay right and I still don't think that's a bad idea but it just didn't work for our Mm. our business you had some people that took like 12 days holiday and we were begging them some people that took 45 days holiday and we were like hang on the rest of your team is now being impacted and there were some people that sat in the middle like I don't know if I'm allowed to take holiday or how many days I'm not allowed to take And, and it gave people anxiety and actually it kind of created a a weird environment where we had no boundaries. We um, were the same.
0: We did the exact same. Yeah. Free, you was, think you're this like, cool, I'm
1: stop
0: it. you think this cool social chain type business? You're like, yeah, everyone. And, it, and we did the same. And, and we found that majority took less than they should. Uh-huh. Yeah. And, and people do need freedom within a framework. Like, yeah. It's like when you go on holiday and you've got nothing planned, people get anxiety. They're like, "Oh, what am I going to do I'm all day? Do. Yeah. Whereas yeah. if you've got a few loose plans to work around, people feel, oh, all right, I can, I've got a framework. Yeah. you know and i think employees you know more than entrepreneurs i mean i don't care if i've got 5 days or 50 days like i don't i don't need that in my life to, no. to know if i can pl- succeed but yeah totally agree with that what 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 about this whole like working from home um and and office everyone's different every every business is different how have you guys took it
1: so we have a mixture so i my view is I think recruitment is a people job and the way that I have watched myself learn and watch others learn is by listening to other people do the job and overhearing that was a brilliant conversation or next time did you ask that Or and I don't think you can do that when you're working from home mm-hmm. especially when you're starting in recruitment or want to develop. It doesn't mean that I don't believe in working from home. I do a few posts on this because I get quite irate about it but I just think that when you're employed by a business, the business is the thing that everyone works for, me included, right? So you have to operate to what the business needs to succeed. Otherwise, you might as well be out of a job. Yeah. Like, okay, I understand that people don't like to travel or they like to be at home for their children. I've got four children myself. I completely get it. But I think to actually improve in recruitment and do a good job, you need to be surrounded by other people doing it. Um I do have people in the business that work fully from home, but they are quite established people that do go out on the road and do get on teams quite a lot and train. So I don't know. I'm mixed views. And I also have this other part of my brain on this topic where I think I, I'm not sure long term it's good for your mental health. Hmm. Like I, We are social animals. We like to interact with one another face-to-face, it releases endorphins in our brain like it is chemically really good for us to work from home. And I think long-term, people will be affected by working from home continuously over a long period of time.
0: Well, it's that whole social media debate as well, isn't it? It's like, you know, in some ways, it's connected us more than ever. We can be FaceTiming across the planet. We can be WhatsApping, But in another way, it's separate. It's made us all a bit more lonely. Like It's made us all a bit more sad. I mean, I work from home. I love it personally. Mm-hmm. I think my business remotely works, but we have to be very, very, very organized. We have to only hire certain types of people, like yeah. And it, and look, there will definitely be areas that are not performing, maybe where they could be because of it. But there's other areas that I think it's a trade off, and we we've, we've gone all in on it. But I, I mean, if if I feel like it wasn't working, I'd make the change, and mm-hmm. and I think it's a bit important to to keep a view on on, on yeah. the business and, and be um, open-minded
1: your business is obviously very successful i just also and i don't know how what your thoughts are on this sean but you know there are many kind of moments in my career where i'll be standing next to someone and go oh my god you know i'm having a real challenge with this client and I will go my uncle works there yeah let me yeah, give yeah. him a call and i'll I get him to, and you miss all of that because I, I really struggle with like planned i just say really struggle with planned conversation. If you're having a Teams, you know what your agenda is, you jump on, you're off in an hour, it's done. But those yeah. little moments in between where there's magic, you know, like whether it's an introduction or whether it's an idea or whether it's just finding out how someone is and actually going, you don't seem yourself today. And they go, oh my God, I, I'm so glad you asked. This is happening. I just feel like I'm not quite sure where that goes when you work yeah, from home
0: yeah. all the time. I think, I think it is a, a big game of balance though. Mm. And it's like, you know, you've got to work out for for the the 30% you just named, I could probably find another 30% of moments where the commute was shit and I came in in a different mood and I felt stressed and I couldn't, and I missed things that were important and actually being stopped five times on the way to another meeting ruined the afternoon for me and I didn't get things done. I wasn't as productive. So like, if I, I like the balance personally of working from here, I'm on zoom all bloody day. So I'm literally never on my own. And then, I go and meet people once a month or whatever, and, and for me it worked. But I, yeah. I don't, I do not have trainee recruiters in my business, and I, I, I believe you're right within the business model you're running. I believe you're right. i I, I don't, I don't disagree. But it's such a difficult, and, and the bigger challenge is that debate around the older, more experienced recruiters that are 30s and have kids and have, have actually enjoyed working from home because they know what they're doing, and how do you keep them engaged? Because you need them around the juniors, but.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, you, do, to, you need to, them to train. To
0: mandate them five days a week, you might end up losing them. To the yeah. of the, so you've, yeah. it's, I don't think anyone's got the answer to that yet. It's I think it's just being, about
1: being agile, right? Yeah. So we've just taken on um, a guy to join our business that I've known for five years and I've wanted him to work here since day one of meeting him. I was like, come on, please. And he just told me to do one. Managed <laughs> to convince him. And he lives up in Leicester, works at right. home by himself. You know, we've got plans for him to do different things within the business. But... It, i'm not i'm not adverse to it i just i worry about it i think it's yeah, probably yeah, yeah. the the way to put it i just worry that you lose so much good stuff by having people just singular working but again yeah, I, get get it. It, I don't have to i don't have to commute for hours so mm, yeah i've never really experienced that challenge and i've got being a remote um, a, yeah. like
0: a regional business is different a completely different game again Yeah. what um one thing we talked about previous to the show which i just wanted to bring up was this Gender equality conversation, right? So, mm-hmm. you know, a big part of I've mentioned this. I don't think there's that many females running recruitment businesses, and I haven't. You know, it's reflective on the guests I've had on the show in five years, right? It's probably twenty percent less than twenty percent. But I remember less than when
1: 20% I mentioned
0: females. Yeah, I think less than twenty percent of all my guests have been female. Wow. Of um of of leaders and and they're not all founders, but majority are are in that the senior the most senior roles, um. And I remember when I mentioned it to you, and you were a bit like, "I kind of don't want to, I don't want to lean on that." And I thought it was a really refreshing and interesting take on it that I've not, not really heard anyone say. So, just can you remember what we were talking about? Now you were like, you know, I don't, what I don't want to do is lean purely on I'm a female mm-hmm. leader, like, and there was, a, and you, you almost wanted to get away from that for the equality, if that makes sense.
1: I just look at things from two sides right so whilst I'm very proud to be a female leader I also don't think that saying you are I don't want to categorize myself any different from a male and I don't think men do it to women so I wonder sometimes I had a question recently on a, a training workshop that I did for another business where they asked me what my thoughts were on being a female leader and it was a female that asked me and I I was quite opinionated in a sense, that I think sometimes we limit ourselves by categorizing ourselves as female, as if we don't deserve the space mm. because we're a female. But I, do, I don't I do believe it's necessarily men that do it to us as women. I think it's our own limitations. And I, I read this stat and I'm gonna be making this up completely, Sean, but it was something like 80% of men will apply for a job that they can't do, but they'll believe they can. Whereas right. 10% of women will only apply when they actually know that they can do it. And I think that that as a gender, I hear it so many when I talk to females that we limit ourselves based on our own beliefs. And I just don't like that. I think that women are just as able to do it as men. But, yes, it's sometimes more challenging because it doesn't matter how much support you have at home. Like, John is absolutely phenomenal with my children. I still – there's a lot that goes on behind the scenes. Oh, sorry, I hit my desk. That happens that he necessarily might not know whether it's school clubs and a card for a party and – washing their pants and all of those kind of things. But I choose to want to do well, not because I'm a female, but just because that's the choice that I have made. Um, and it's really, I don't know how, it's kind of like flipping this conversation on the head a little bit, Sean, but yesterday I was on the train with my daughter, Margot, my youngest, right? So I had to get her to to the hospital. She's fine, but she's got some kidney problems. So I was going to Great, great Ormond Street. And as I was coming off the train, struggling to get the buggy off and some man said to me do you need a hand and i said oh do you know what that would be really good thank you and he helped me and as i was walking off the platform he said to me i'm sorry i didn't ask you earlier i just wasn't sure whether i was allowed to or not and i said what do you mean and he was like well some i've I've offered women help before and they have a go at me and say i don't need a man to help me and i was like i thought about it often i thought God, why are we doing that? Like, if I needed to help someone, man or woman, I would help them. Yeah. But I think that women, are, we've got to be really careful that we're not creating an environment where men are frightened of saying things against a woman because we're a woman. I don't mm-hmm. like boxing us in for that.
0: Yes, it's almost, yeah, it's not using the badge to create the equality. It's almost removing the badge. That, like, yeah. I'm a leader. I'm I, a that's I'm exactly. parent. I'm a parent. I'm a leader. I'm. I'm on your level based on what I'm doing, not because yeah. I'm a female. On I, it, I
1: love. that. I think it's attitude. actually exactly what you, I think you hit the nail on the head there. We shouldn't be labeling ourselves because that is actually causing more isolation more than yeah. it is actually just saying I'm doing it. Female, male, whatever, yeah. whatever. You know. Yeah,
0: and it would be interesting if someone wrote male founder on their LinkedIn profile. Imagine it. Or imagine where CEO. that would be. You know, you yeah.
1: like CEO. I just don't. I, <laughs>
0: It would be funny. I mean, I might do it for a day and see how much backlash I get. Please do. <laughs> no, I haven't got the energy for it. Um, and, and finally, like, you know, how do you juggle this? I mean, I've got, as I said, you know, I've got two step kids. I've got a baby. I've, I see what my wife's doing. I'm new to it. I've only lived with them for two years, but it's a genuinely like, you know, it's a full on job on mm. top of your job and you've got four kids and mm. you're both leading businesses. Like, What's your secret to that? Because I think there's other people listening here that are like, I need help with that.
1: (laughs) So I saw this meme a little while ago that said, life is like juggling. But you've got to remember that some of the balls that you drop are glass and some are plastic. Oh, wow. And that really stuck with me. You know, we were talking before this call, there are some things that you can drop and it's fine. You can pick them back up when you're ready and they will not shatter. And some of them you cannot drop and you have to keep on top of. And I think you kind of have to constantly reevaluate what's glass and what's plastic. What is it okay to let go of at this moment in time because it's Christmas and you've got lots of stuff on or next... There'll be different times where different things fall into glass or plastic. But I think that's how I get through life is I go, that that. is really important. I can't drop that school run. And I don't care if the meeting is more important. That's glass to me. Like, I've got to do that. And there are some things that I go, that was just a plastic one right now. And I'll pick that up when I'm ready again.
0: Wow. I think that's that's... really, really, I mean, I can can feel what you're saying based Mm. on my own experience. Like, I told you before, like, one of the things even though I'm obsessed with change in business, like when it comes to my my home life, mm. I'm pretty routined. And like, you know, if it's 8.30 at night, they're going to bed, it's 8.30. It's not 8.31, it's 8.30. 8.30 yeah. And I like, I almost, and like, I do this thing. I do I do loads of things. I've created this routine in the house, right? So we have Mondays are my, my stepdaughter cooks. 10-year-old cooked for a spaghetti bolognese from Gusto last night. So it was incredible. Cool. Tonight's my steak night and my stepson's helping me on a Tuesday. Wednesday, we go to our in-laws. Thursday, we have FFT, which is Fun Food Thursday, which was... Love that. Before the baby, we'd eat out. Now we just get a takeaway. And then Friday, they go to their dad's and they come back Sunday night. And Sunday night, they've already eaten. So we have like a really clear plan, right? Mm-hmm. And they, every week, they ask me, are we doing FFT today? I'm like, yeah. Every Every Tuesday, are we doing steak night? Yeah. I'm like, why do you ask me? And... I literally will not deviate. Like, it's not like I'm going to go, nah, not, not today. Not, and, yeah. and I make a fruit salad every night about eight o'clock where we finish the night with like chopped up fruit. Every night my stepson says, are we having fruit salad? And I'm just like, yeah, like, <laughs> I don't like, if you took that away from me now, I'd be a bit disappointed. If you know, yeah, <laughs> and, yeah. and I don't know. I don't know where that might come from. My mum was very like, if she said she was going to do it, she'd do it. And if she they wasn't going to do that. it, she wasn't going to do it. Yeah. Like, Maybe I'm treating some of these things like glass when they don't need to be, but they're, yeah. I don't know, they feel important to me at this point. Yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah. I, I, I completely get it. Like, I, yeah, get really, I'm just like a normal person. Like, you get worked yeah. up when the washing basket is too full. Yeah. And you start getting stressed, and you might miss a moment where your son goes, Mum, something really happened, something really interesting happened today at school. Yeah. And then you hear the, the washing machine go off, and you think, I need to unload that washing because I've got the next load to do. And your mind is constantly like there's this invisible load, I think, when you've got – whether you've got children or not, if you've got a business, everyone has a different size plate, right, in terms of what they can carry. But there are times where I have to consciously go, this is a glass moment. Like the washing can wait. That's fine. This is a moment I need to listen. And you get golden times. The other day I went shopping – with my eldest, and he was moaning, I don't want to go. And I said, Listen, this is I, an what we're going to get where we'll go around the food shop and we'll have a really good time. We played a game around the food shopping. I shouldn't probably say this, but we were trying to put items into people's trolleys and seeing how much we can get away with. We had like, <laughs> such a good time. And I was like, Okay, this is that like a, a completely normal thing. Like we're shopping, but let's make the yeah. most of it when you can. But it is constantly remind others, you just go through day by day trying to get through what you've got to get through, whether it's football, washing, food. All of those things. Do you,
0: do you have like, like you say, do you, do you have times where you will and won't work then? So you've got to get the school run. You've got to get your business run. You've got to do, you know, mum work stuff at night. Like how, how are you juggling like an average day in terms of the time?
1: It, I, I tend not to work so much outside of hours, not because I don't want to, but just because by the time my day's finished, I just don't have the energy or time, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't work on a Monday. That's a strict... Right. Strict rule. So I have my two little ones that aren't at school. Drop my right. elders to school and have the Monday with with them. But I will still take a call if I need to. It depends yeah. what's going on. It depends what, what's needed. There's sometimes where I can disappear for a day and no one asks anything of me. And there's sometimes where I'll have to work twelve hours and people need me. It's one of those moments I think where you go, what's glass and what's not here, you know.
0: Do you know what? That that literally is a great way to end the show. I think that the you know what's glass and what, was it plastic and what's glass? Is that what you mm. said? They're the they're the you know that's something I think across everything you've said here, the whole episode. I think that had kind of underpin. You've got to be agile. You've you've basically got to be committed to what you, what's important, and you've got to yeah. be agile to know that you don't know it all. Oh
1: god, you know, yeah. You're
0: going to make mistakes, but you keep doing the right things consistently in all areas of your life, and it'll pay off. Yeah. Laura, thanks so much. No, I mean, it. it's it been, been an absolute pleasure. I've enjoyed every minute. Um, I'd love to get you back on in the future, um, maybe in this time next year or, or, yeah. or the year after. The business is going to be, what, is it 30 years old in 2025? Is that right?
1: 2025,
0: yeah. Yeah. So we'll def- why don't we get you on that? Well, do you know what month of the year it will be?
1: It was October.
0: Oh, that's quite a while away, but mm. yeah, we could do it. We'll I'll definitely. Lo- I'd love to do a thirty-year episode. See what. See cool. what you've, See what you've learned in the in that meantime. But look, if anyone's listened, wants to get older, you wants to ask any questions, maybe wants to work for you, is linked. I'm going to tag you in LinkedIn I and mean, everything. Yeah. But is that the best place, or is there yeah, any, any other platform?
1: Yeah, I'll come back yeah. to anyone. That and will. you're
0: open to having a conversation, even if you just want to put your brains on some stuff. Absolutely. Her, yeah. Yeah. All right. Thanks so much, and let's. Uh, good luck between now and 2025.
1: Thank you. Thank you so much
0: for having me i really appreciate it sean pleasure thank you as always for listening to today's show i truly hope that you got value from it honestly it's the only reason i take time every week to ensure that my audience you guys future and existing recruitment owners you're learning from each other to make this industry that i love so much stronger and today's episode is brought to you by my business hoxhill i'm the ceo and founder and we're on a mission to help brand recruitment agencies and their people better i want to help people have the tools to stand out in the most competitive markets in the world. We're currently working with over 350 recruitment agencies and 5,000 of their consultants right now, helping them to build their personal brands to consistently win more business, attract talent, and just become that go-to recruiter in the market. Now we do have a huge coaching program, but a lot of people don't know, we also manage the brands of a lot of founders And we can do the rebrand of that company organizational piece as well. So if your recruitment agency either needs help to look and sound exactly how you want it to, or your leadership and consultant level need to get out there and drive more traffic back to that website, to the business and start using LinkedIn to generate more revenue, then you should definitely be reaching out to us. If that sounds of interest, please do visit www.hoxomedia.com or drop me, Sean, a personal message on LinkedIn. I love hearing from RAG listeners. I would love to talk to you. Uh, Look forward to it. So I'll see you again next week with another episode. Catch you soon.